Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. All right, the Bible's open. Galatians 5, version, the Bible app, there's a few verses there. Uh, we'll have it up on the screen as well so you can follow along. We do encourage you to use your Bible. If not, take notes. Go home and check it out. Uh, you always want to make sure the preacher's actually saying the right things um, and you can e- explore it for yourself. Uh, we use the Version Bible app because it means you can save it, you can take notes in that, you can go home and explore it and do all sorts of weird and wonderful things with it as well. So uh, really easy tool to use. So we're exploring this idea of the wildlife Um, and often when we talk about um, adventure or a wildlife we might think about danger or something that's out of the box or something that's perhaps even a little bit unexpected. Uh, We might even use the term uh, wild children and uh, uh, those children that are wild or don't do as they're told or are always running around or they're hard to control Um, and yet perhaps we need to recapture this sense of uh, wildness or freedom in the church um, and out of the church and in our relationship with God because it's too easy, I think, um, over a period of time we get into some sense of groove or rut might be too strong a word, but it's too easy to become too neat, uh, this right and wrong and follow these rules to get you into heaven and that's kind of the whole collection of why we follow Jesus is this desire to get into some kind of experience of an afterlife and while there might be some truth to that it's not the full extent of this wildlife see following Jesus was meant to cause a sense of wildness a sense of wildness it was meant to cause a stir it was meant to be something out of the box it was meant to be something out of the ordinary it wasn't meant to be something strangled by rules and regulations and um, how things were measured or status or position It wasn't meant to be a clinical process, but it was meant to be, and still is meant to be, something that is life-changing, transforming, personal, intimate, full of life, purpose and meaning. See, for the church to be called to the wildlife, we might actually begin to discover what true freedom looks like, and we might actually understand in our own lives, and therefore other people would also begin to experience what true freedom might look like for them. And it's dangerous because it requires at some point for all of us, for you and I, in one way or the other, to say there is something in my life that is not right, that is not healthy, that is not demonstrating or exhibiting the full qualities of life that I believe are available somewhere. And it requires that I have to surrender something of myself. And that might be a thought, it might be a behaviour, it might be something deep in our guts that I have to say, that's enough, I surrender it, it's crucified, it's done, dealt with, put aside so I can step into something new. And that's dangerous because we don't know where it will lead us. And at that point we have to choose what kind of wildlife we're going to pursue and whether it's going to be a wildlife that suits our own needs and fills up our own ego or whether it's going to be a wildlife that pursues the heart of Jesus and we actually discover the truth of who we are anyway. So today, which might seem a little bit counterintuitive or opposite even, we want to explore this idea as of self-control. 
And not as a self-help, motivational, follow these rules, follow these five keys to self-control, um, but as a, something that is attuned to fa- the Father, our Father, our Heavenly Father, and the freedom that we have in Jesus. Um, it's about, I think, uh, taking responsibility, calling out those things that are not of God in us as much or before anyone else, and a willingness to step into hard places. And we'll explore what that looks like, um, hopefully, by the end of this message. <laughs> hopefully. It always makes you nervous when a preacher says hopefully. Um, so, uh, Galatians 5, uh, and I think it's, we'll continue reading it because it's important to read. It's not working, Gary, so you'll have to give me a click, mate. Can you put the down row for me? Galatians 5, verse 13. Um, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions and factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. A lot of those things are a reflection of our personal sense of satisfaction and our ego. A lot of our struggle with actually discovering the wildlife in Jesus is our struggle to actually put our ego out of the way so that Jesus can take over our lives. Because our ego drives so much of what we want and our ego drives so much of what we think we need to feel satisfied and at peace and have some sense of control. These are all, these are all the things that were listed, uh, the acts of the flesh, verse 19, they're, they're all things that we think we need at some point in our lives to make us feel better or in some sense of control. And essentially that's about our ego. Anyway, a little aside commentary for you. Uh, Halfway through verse 21, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit, the outworking of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live, live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now I just want to step aside for a minute because I read this during the week and I read it in the message and I want to read verses 25 to 26 out of the message Um, since this is the kind of life we have chosen the life of the spirit let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts but work out its implications in every detail of our lives 
That means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another one worse. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. Work out the implications of this kind of life in every detail of your life. Now, I... I, I was having a conversation with Andrew about what was coming up over the last couple of weeks and I mentioned I needed to prepare a uh, message about self-control and she kind of gave me one of those looks like, oh yeah, how's that going to go for you? Um, you know, one of those piercing kind of, you've got to be joking kind of looks. Um, so I want to say to you, I'm a traveller along the way, I'm not an expert today uh, because I know I can get in front of Netflix and I know that I, you know, I, shouldn't have, I shouldn't watch any more than one episode or I don't need to uh, watch any more than one episode. But what happens is I tend to argue with myself. I can find all sorts of reasons why I can watch more than one episode and pretty, see, pretty soon I've watched the whole season. Um, and Netflix, for those who don't know, is a streaming service where you can just watch all the shows that you want without ads. And you just go through and you can watch one show after another. Um, I can justify myself. Even I can... There's shows that are are just easier to watch when Andrea's in bed. Um, And not because there's anything terrible about it. They're just shows I prefer to watch and Andrea doesn't. Um, So... But I, at the same time, it's not just about Netflix. See, there are times where I don't need to eat a full bag of cashews. Um, you know, but just those little, you know, those little bags, I'm not saying one of those big kilo bags, that's disgusting if you can eat a whole bag of cashews like that. But there are times where, you know, those 250 grams, I don't have to have a whole bag. Signs to say one handful of nuts in any variety is enough for your day, but a whole bag is very satisfying. I don't need... I don't need to finish off that last one or two bits of pizza. Uh, but, you know, it seems like such a waste, and it's only just one or two bits of pizza. You know, so we all struggle with this. No, well, I'm a traveller along the way, and I don't want to say that you struggle with this in any way, um, in the same way that I do. But see, we can, we can joke about food, I guess, and it's easy for me to stand up here, and we can even joke about... TV shows, but you know, how, much, how much time do we spend on things that we have to argue with ourselves and justify and all of a sudden the time's gone and we're not doing what we thought we were doing the day? Or we can joke about food, but how often do we crave the takeaways and then actually feel better for it at the end of the day? We can use technology and say that it's this freedom and I'm not addicted to it or I can switch it off any time we like, but how often do we find ourselves scrolling through social media or playing a game and then wonder where the time goes? See, social media has developed within us this fear of missing out or as my teenage daughters like to say, this FOMO, fear of missing out, and comparison. See, our gambling and pornography industries are multi-billion dollar industries hoping that people won't have self-control. And it's all available in a device no smaller than this. One in five women experience sexual violence. Average of one woman per week is murdered by a current or former partner. 
And that's about men who have unable or not been taught how to control their emotions or respond in a healthy way. And what about the words that we use? Because that's all a bit heavy, isn't it? That's all a bit serious maybe for this group of people sitting here because, you know, we've got it all under control. But what about the words we use, how we think or speak of others, the attitudes that we bring to work? Or maybe it's just that we don't do what we say we would do. Maybe it's despite all the efforts and all the years of following Jesus, nothing seems to have changed and we feel like we're the same people as we were five years ago, 10 years ago, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago and and nothing's ever different. And maybe our lives are just full of excuses and reasons. See, in all this, we call it freedom because we can do what we want, we can have what we want, when we want and how we want it. And we talk about them as personal, private decisions. But this private kind of, these private decisions are essentially um, a lack of self-control that has a bearing on our health industry, has a bearing on our marriages, has a bearing on our families, has a bearing on our friendships, and has a bearing on our community. If we talk about health food or junk food, it's costing our health billions and billions of dollars more and more people are being diagnosed with diabetes and unhealthy issues all over the place. Issues that don't need to be treated. Or issues that are increasing in their treatment. See, when Paul says in in Galatians, we are designed and we are redeemed for freedom, that's not a freedom that says, well, I can do what I want with what I want, but it's a freedom that says, well, because of the one who has set me free, I take on a new perspective. See, self-control, friends, isn't about relying upon our own strength, but living out of a new vision. Paul writes to another church seeking to awake a vision of life in Christ. And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 to 14, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way so that you can endure it. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. And I love how he kind of continues the verse. We kind of grab the, um, the verse 13 there and, we, and we've turned that into God will not let you bear any more than you can handle. Well, that's not actually what the text says. Have you heard that said? You know, God won't give you any more than what you can handle. That's not actually what the text says. We turn and we turn it upside down and he says, this is about temptation. And then he says... My dear friends, flee. Run away from those things that control your idolatry. That's self-control. When you've got a choice to make, when you're in the middle of a decision about bad behavior, unhealthy behavior, destructive behavior, past behavior that you know brings shame and condemnation and starts to determine who you are, run away, says Paul. Run away. As with, so my Netflix, if that was an example, I, I argue with myself. As soon as I argue with myself, I need to run. Because as soon as we argue with the temptation that's there, we're giving it power. And this decision is about our character before our behaviour 
And we have the capacity to choose. We always have the capacity to choose. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. You have the capacity to respond to this. You don't have to keep going in the behaviour that you know is destructive. See, part of our struggle, I think, is that we think God should remove all our challenges from us and make our life just plain sailing. And if that's the case, what we're essentially saying, well, I'll be my own God, thank you. And it removes the point of Jesus. Either we trust in Jesus or we don't. And we walk in the ways of Jesus. Because it's Jesus who points to the way that we can become those who overcome trial, temptation and hardship. So it's no, there's no denying. And even as we look at our own lives, there is no denying that our world is fractured and broken. We are fractured and broken people by the decisions that we make. Every week we make decisions that leave us feeling a sense of fractured or brokenness or this is not how life is meant to be. We need help in the capacity that we have to make decisions. And Paul again responds and offers some insight. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What are the strongholds in your life? What are the things that you feel like week in, week out, you're responding the same way? And here Paul reminds the church and says, you're not fighting with weapons of the world. You've got another resource at your fingertips. You've got another resource at the at the center point of your heart, mind, body and soul. You've got another resource that you have the power to demolish those strongholds. And it's not to say that we become the superheroes or that we become self-reliant. It's to say that it's because we have Jesus, because we have access to Jesus, because of who Jesus is and who Jesus has done, we have that same freedom. He has redeemed us and that stronghold has been demolished and that's the freedom that we can walk in. And we heard, so I say, walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, Keep in step with the Spirit. That's three or four times that Paul writes in Galatians 5. Walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. The Gospel of John, we're told that Jesus uh, needs to leave the earth. He needs to go through his death so that he can uh, experience the resurrection. And he says to his disciples, do not be afraid because there is one who is to come after me and he will be your comfort and your guide and your counsel. He will be the one who will help you make these decisions and negotiate these decisions, if you like. So I say, walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. I've been using a bit lately and I need to come back to it for myself on more than one occasion and I haven't written it down anywhere but um, I need to look it up because I always, I don't know if it's Romans 5, 8 or Romans 8, 5. You'd think I'd have it worked out but I don't. 
Here you go, Romans 8, 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what nature desires, but those um, who live by the Spirit have their minds set on what the, desi- the Spirit desires. The mind controlled by the sinful nature is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. And we think our life is wrapped up in the freedom and the capacity to do what I want, when I want, how I want, regardless of the consequences to myself or to others around me. That's not freedom. That's a lie. If you want life and peace, walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. If you don't know what that looks like, I really want to encourage you to go home today, find a quiet spot, put your devices away, out of reach, put them on silent, switch the TV off, do something, go for a walk around your block and just cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need to know the comfort of your counsel. I need to know the guidance of your counsel. I want to walk in step with your spirit. I want to live by your spirit and I need you to reveal it to me. He'll reveal it to you. The next question will be whether you're willing to be obedient to him. See, self-control is a fruit. An outworking of the relationship with the one who gives us life, who gives us focus. It is knowing that we are created by God, redeemed and restored in relationship with God through Jesus. A few of you will be familiar with this passage because I use it regularly in conversations. Therefore, I urge you in view of God's mercy, that is because of what God has done, because of what God has already established, because of what God has already offered to you, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. There's that word again, surrender, crucifixion, sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. This is hard Because if we want to know self-control, we need to be willing to surrender and submit. We need to put our selfish egos out of the way and allow Jesus, Jesus to determine how we respond to situations. And if that means we flee from things that we've done in the past, then so be it. And if that means we're leaving mates behind or some um, dangerous patterns of behavior behind and we don't know how we're going to live then we need to come and walk in step by the spirit so that jesus replaces it and fills it up with something new and life-giving and hope-filled otherwise we just move from one addiction to the next addiction to the next addition addiction see health experts tell us it takes us about uh, 30 days to create new habits most of us give up probably day 15 to 25. And if that's a habit about reading the Bible, if that's a habit about switching off devices, if that's a habit about, uh, I don't know, coming to Sunday gatherings or joining a life group, if that's a habit about reading our scriptures, if that's a habit about going for a walk, it takes about 30 days to establish it as a new habit. 
the way the things that we put in our minds, the things that we fill in our minds, the things that we need to empty out of our minds. And sometimes I've found that we need to actually state this kind of thing out loud for ourselves. Because the stuff that's rubbish gets so deeply implanted in us that that's, that's always rising to the top. And we kind of have, we say, oh, I need to be transformed by renewing of my mind. And we kind of lay it over the top and yet we haven't dealt with this stuff that's in here. And it all just keeps pushing out that stuff. Oh, that was too hard. I give up. We can't give up. Jesus has done everything so that we didn't, don't need to give up. See, there's scientific, not even just faith evidence, but science is now saying that we can rewire the way that we think. We can retrain ourselves to be free from all these things that have control over us. It's astonishing that science would back up Scripture. Who would have thought? Um, do you know, as just an aside, just a useless piece of information for you, there's this fascination about um, uh, cemeteries in various parts of the world where they're not using um, coffins anymore because the coffins have so many chemicals in them that they're actually destroying the earth. And so they're burying people and then planting a tree over the top because, surprise, surprise, when we die and our body decomposes, it actually releases nutrients back into the earth. Anyway, that's a useless piece of information for you. I don't know why I said that. I just think it's... I don't know how to get back to where I was now. <laughs> Research, science and faith. Um, see, if we can be transformed by renewing our mind, and look, some of you, I, I really... I'm not the person that you need in your head to have your mind transformed. Don't go home and do this because Simon said that because it will end disastrously. All right? Go home and get into the presence of Jesus and ask Jesus to transform your mind. When you're stuck with some bad habits or unhealthy habits or addictive behaviours or ha behaviours that you know bring condemnation and guilt and shame, call out the name of Jesus, switch on and say, oh, what's that verse? Transform, renewing mind, that's the way I want to live. It will take days. It might even take weeks, but you might need to pronounce it publicly over your own life, audibly over your own life. Um, the renewing of our mind affects the words that we speak. It affects how we treat others, how we confront others, how we confront challenges, how we allow things to be confronted in ourselves and how we allow the ego to be replaced with the, the Spirit of God. It affects how we respond in our marriages, to our children, to our parents, in our schools. Everything. Everything. So why can we trust in Jesus? Why would we allow, why would we sacrifice ourselves uh, and work out our, offer ourselves a living sacrifice that's holy and pleasing to God? And I want to say it's because Jesus has fought the battles of hardship. It is because Jesus has endured the suffering and the hardship of trouble and trial and temptation. Jesus says, do not be afraid of this world. There is trouble in this world. There is trial in this world. There is hardship in this world. 
but I have overcome the world. The trouble is that so many of us sit in the midst of the trial and the hardship and the trouble and the struggle and the temptation and say, woe is me, why does this happen to me, it's not fair, and we forget about Jesus. As the great high priest who has endured everything before him because of the greater vision that he had. Just before Jesus, and many of us will know this story, but I think we glance over it way too quickly. Just before Jesus was about to go to his death, just before he was betrayed by his friends, just before he was rejected and all his friends ran away, he went to a place of prayer and he said, Father, if it can be, take this cup from me. I don't want to do this. I don't want to endure this. If there is any other way, I am not sure I want to do this. If there's any other way, then you reveal it, Father. But Father, not my will, your will be done. Jesus went to a place where he was able to put his ego aside for the vision that was set before him. And part of our problem is that sometimes in the midst of our circumstances, all we can see is this. This, this circumstance, this right now, this struggle, this shame, this guilt or this word that has been spoken off our life whereas Jesus wants to reveal a vision that this is not big enough. The only way that Jesus went to the cross, the only way he was able to endure that torture, that betrayal, that torture on the cross was because he had a vision that went beyond that moment. And he's willing to say, Father, I surrender to you fully, wholeheartedly, completely i choose to trust in you in that critical moment jesus required a vision beyond the immediate circumstances he knew the price was high but he also knew the reward was great you see jesus wasn't just sitting in front of a marshmallow for 10 minutes he was fighting for a life for eternity he was fighting for your life and he was fighting for my life and he was fighting for the lives of your families, fighting for the lives of your friends that don't yet know him, fighting for the, your life if you're sitting here today that doesn't yet know Jesus. In that moment, Jesus chose to put the reward that was beyond that current circumstance ahead of his own ego. And it wasn't even about getting through unscathed. Sometimes we need the hardship. The struggle refines us and reshapes us and makes us more like Jesus because sometimes we want, oh God, I don't want to do this. Sometimes you just got to go the hard yards. That's what sacrifice is. Jesus could have called legions of angels but he chose to demonstrate the full extent of God's love. He emptied himself and it was his character out of his relationship with his father that determined his behaviour so that you and I would know the full extent of the father's love. So that you and I could live in freedom from sin, from shame and from condemnation. It's that kind of wild life that can transform the way that we think, the way that we speak, the, way, the thoughts that are in our head. 
the things that sit in our guts. It's that kind of wild life that Jesus demonstrates. It says, I don't have to respond or act in the way that everybody else might, but I can set myself apart according to a relationship with God. See, self-control isn't necessarily just about showing restraint as much as it is living in the freedom of the resurrection. As much as it is living out of the joy that was set before Jesus. Where destructive behaviour, where past decisions, where guilt and shame don't rule us anymore, but life is encountered. Where we no longer need to argue or justify ourselves or our behaviour, but instead we can point to the resurrection. You know, uh, Paul writes in Ephesians that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and me. The same power that's available to Je- raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and me. If we just got that going around our heads, that would transform our way of thinking, wouldn't it? And self-control is an imitation to align our hearts with the, ways of our Je- with the ways of Jesus so that we could be set free and to bear his fruit more every day. Thanks team, if you want to come up and... We're going to uh, sing that song again, What a Beautiful Name. The song that declares the power of Jesus. Uh, the song that says that uh, the name of Jesus has power above everything else that we've encountered or endured. I don't know your hardship, I don't know your struggle, I don't know your battle. But I know that Jesus has already endured it and he has already overcome it. And so today as we uh, close our service we want to make the opportunity and the invitation as we do for you to respond in prayer if you want to confess Jesus Christ your Lord and Saviour because it, you want to honour him and you need to give your life to him because you know whatever you're trying at the moment it's just not quite hitting the mark you feel like you're missing out somewhere then maybe today is the opportunity where you step out and you say you know what I want to follow Jesus and we'll get you some uh, get you in a relationship with people who can help you and help you grow and understand what that means maybe today is about saying, you know what, that, that thing that's in my life that I'm just not able to break, today's the day. I want to I mark it. I want to remember it. I want it to be the moment where I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Opportunity's there. So as we declare the name of Jesus, may the, his, bear his uh, fruit in you. May we know his character. May we live in his love and may we walk fully in his freedom. Thanks, team.